This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hey, this is a Future of What single. If you want to get the whole thing, visit our website at KillRockStars.com slash The Future of What. Support for The Future of What comes from Merch Table. Since 2002, Merch Table has operated and managed online stores for hundreds of successful musicians, record labels, comedians, artists, and small businesses. Big or small, set up shop today by visiting merchtable.com. We're talking to Greg Sonier of Deerhoof. People are getting pretty complacent about Spotify in the last few months. Everyone's kind of like, oh, thank God. Well, we're making some money on it, so we're going to calm down about it. I don't know you if know that's... somebody making money from Spotify? <laughs> well, who do you know? Taylor Swift? Kanye West? I mean, uh, you know, what are you talking about? Well, you know, some people are. Some, you know, our label does pretty well with a lot of our artists do pretty well on Spotify, oh, really? which is surprising. Oh, that's great. Great to hear. But Spotify is a crapshoot, right? It's it's kind of like licensing. It's like you get struck by lightning or you don't. You know, you get selected for a bunch of playlists, in which case lots of people hear you and stream you or they don't, you know? Right. So there's still a large element of chance to that. But, you know, the the big offender, the prime offender at the moment that people are real incensed about is, is YouTube. And, mm-hmm. and so you wrote an interesting post responding to a Washington Post article about why musicians are annoyed about YouTube. And I really wanted to talk to you about that post because I thought you made just a succession of excellent points. <laughs> oh no, what did I say? <laughs> Maybe I was in a testy mood that day. Well, something. Your first point was it casts YouTube as the bad guys for paying so much less than good guys Spotify without mentioning what a shameful pittance <laughs> Spotify pays, which is, I think you should talk about that. I mean, this is, you're a working band. This is your livelihood, right? Yeah. Spotify, you know, in the, in the context of the article, I mean, I agreed with the article and I thought it contained a lot of really helpful information and statistics. And I also thought it was wonderful to have such a mainstream outlet writing about what has kind of until recently been a sort of arcane topic amongst just musicians who are then therefore seen as whiny you know, for even bringing up the topic in the first place. And so I thought this article was great. But I did notice that things other than YouTube are posited as the example of how it ought to be done. And then YouTube is is an offender simply because the percentage that they pay is lower than something like Spotify pays. But anybody who's like taking, you know, 60 seconds to look at what Spotify pays knows that it's, <laughs> I mean, it's no comparison to what it has successfully replaced and deliberately replaced. Right. What it's replaced is record labels where people listen to records put out by record labels. Spotify is no replacement for that on many levels. I mean, when, when Deerhoof was on Hill Rockstars, your label, for many years, you know, our deal was always the same and always 
artist friendly and you know it's basically just splitting everything in half the cost and then you know in Deerhoof's cases the costs were extremely low because we we're always recording ourselves on four track and stuff like that but but I mean it's not like Spotify is, is splitting the profit with their bands I mean they, they pay you know I forget how many zeros it is after the decimal point you know <laughs> it's a lot <laughs> yeah play, right? there's it's a, a lot, lot of yeah. zeros you know you, you've, you've got to be a, a PhD in math to be able to say exactly what level of a millionth or something like that, that of a cent we're talking about per play. And that doesn't even count what I think is almost a bigger fact that I can't understand how it's not being pointed out constantly, which is, you know, if Spotify is a replacement for record labels, as far as the listener is concerned. I'm like, well, okay, you know, I used to get my music listening from the rock stars, and now I get it from Spotify. It's the same band, and I'm listening to the same music, and it's great. Without mentioning that a record label funds the creation of the music in the first place. I mean, Spotify is not an advance to, to make a record so that they can then pay us one millionth of a cent per play on Spotify or right. or YouTube, same thing. So they can send one billionth of a cent per play on YouTube. But there's no, nothing, there's no A&R. There's no development. There's no pep talk. There's no consultation. There's no in-house design person. There's no friend who does mastering for cheap or there's no like special deal that you have with the factory or what. You know, all the things that were to the great advantage of the artist, if they ever were able to get on a record label. And Kill Rock Stars, one of the, uh, certainly one of the greatest labels of all time in the history of record labels. Nobody seems to mention that these things that record labels do for bands, like funding the recording of a record or giving tour support to a band after the record comes out, or they've got a deal on printing posters to send out to venues, or they they just consult on like, hey, I think this could be the single from the record, or they they give, you know, pep talks when they're when the band is feeling doubtful about, you know, how the recording's coming along. Any of these things that that made being on a record label mean that you had a music career have been I mean that are are simply absent when your music career consists of just hoping you get plays on Spotify. Right. I think the the word that you used in your post was investment, and I think that's really uh, a yeah. good point. Spotify does not invest any money at all in bands. Right. So if, you know, from a fan's perspective, sure, it looks like it's the same thing, but to an artist, you know, a label is who invests in you and supports you and, and helps you move from one record to the next and hires your publicist and, right. you know, sends the... The, the St. Bernard with a thing of brandy around its neck when you're stranded somewhere, you know, I mean, exactly. record labels actually care and Spotify is not, that's not their business model. They're not investing in bands. 
Well, I mean, they, they realized that they didn't have to. And why would you include that if you can avoid, if you can make uh, many thousands the amount of money right. <laughs> as a record label for doing many thousands of a fraction, you know, of the work, then, um, I mean, a human wouldn't do that. But the sort of like uh, a, a person who's been brainwashed into believing that the only thing that counts is the bottom line which is, of course, a, a basic assumption before you can even get hired at such a place. Right. And has found the perfect business model because the thing is, it's like they're never going to run out of desperate musicians. Right, right. Who want to throw the dice and see if like, maybe they do get on the playlist. And, and for every million musicians who post the video of themselves playing a song on YouTube, well, then there'll be one who becomes a YouTube star. And then that example can be pointed to as why it's a viable model. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think another point I want to touch on, because I think it's so important, and I'm glad that you mentioned it in your post, is that we talk all the time about having to play whack-a-mole. And I think what people forget is that the YouTube model has taken away even the most basic form of consent from an artist. Like, even if you're going to pay us like crap, the very least artists should have the ability to say yes or no. And the whole YouTube model has just done away with that completely. You have no choice. Your only choice is to play this stupid whack-a-mole, which doesn't work, and have your stuff up there, regardless of whether you want it up there or not. And and I think that that's, I just think that that's something that people really should try to understand if they don't understand it. <laughs> I've got some bad news for you, because just last night, I was on YouTube and for some reason was, was looking at the Deer Hub channel on YouTube. I can't remember why I was there, but oh, I know what it was. It was this morning. It was it was International Cat Day. <laughs> <laughs> and since Deer Hope has several songs about cats, I was like, oh, I should I should <laughs> post some for cat songs. And of course I went, you know, I was just like, okay, well, let me check YouTube and see if there's any like versions of us, you know, playing this song, you know, in some dingy club somewhere. And then I, I realized that I mean, first of all, some of these Kill Rockstar songs that were about cats were back up. Uh, YouTube had put them up, thought we had gotten them to take it down, but they're back. And then I, you know, looked into it further and realized that, you know, a whole bunch of Kill Rockstar's records are back on YouTube in full. And I think that if somebody looking at a video of a band and say it's Deerhoof, because this is the case I know, and there's a user called Deerhoof hyphen topic. What that is, and this is this is what I'm reporting to you now has happened again in the case of Deerhoof's records, Kill Rockstar's records. YouTube itself has robots that automatically steal your music. You know, any commercially released music is automatically stolen automatically posted onto an auto-generated YouTube channel. And then that video of that song is now available for free, (laughs) competing against your version that you're trying to sell. Right. I mean, now I don't know what kind of customer would prefer to buy a version than a free version, but it would have to be somebody who already understands the whole story that I just explained and feels morally compelled to 
contribute to the idea that the band might be able to survive as musicians rather than just have their work digitized for free. What I think the music listener doesn't always understand, <laughs> and I think that the Washington Post article only went part of the way to help clarify is that there's an image of anyone like you or me who's raising the question of whether <laughs> musicians have any rights in this era might feel that we're attempting to revive the Napster argument in which the successful musician, the prime example of which is Lars Ulrich, is starting a fight with his own fans. So it's the music listener versus the musician. And the reason that I think that that's a myth and that that image of, of what the conflict is here is so inaccurate is because <laughs> as long as it appears that the fans are fighting with the musicians and that the musicians are whining about the fans, then the beneficiary gets to laugh all the way to the bank. The actual beneficiary is a, a couple enormous corporations. One's enormous, you know, multi Well, I'm not sure, actually. Spotify always claims that they're taking a loss all the time, but, uh, you know, I'm not sure where, where their finances are at right now. And then you're talking about YouTube. I mean, that's Google. That's one of the biggest, if not the biggest, corporation in the history of humankind. We're talking a, a, a company that, that makes hundreds of billions of dollars every year from ads, and they're the ones who benefit if you know, the, the, the fight should be between musicians and music fans versus complete corporate takeover of the existence of music in this world. I mean, <laughs> you know, to the point where I mean, it's not just, you know, bands in 2017 that are, you know, struggling to try and get a few plays on YouTube and get a few cents out of it. I mean, we're talking about the wholesale digitization of anything Google can locate that any human has ever created in past, present, or future. I mean, it's obviously not just the music, it's the written word, it's visual art. It's, I mean, they, they want to have a free library of everything and pay nobody anything. And I think you're right, Porter, when you call it a business model. It's not like a few slip-ups happened. Right, right. This doesn't happen by accident. It happened by accident. You do not become a hundred billions of dollars corporation by access. It's an actual model. It's a system. And um, when you talk to someone who works for Google, you find that they may be very much like you in almost every way until you get on the subject of this sort of mega capitalism, basically libertarianism, monopolies, and antitrust issues. And suddenly, the, this person who is otherwise very friendly and seems to see eye to eye with you on on any kind of political issue you might want to bring up, like the more cutthroat, you know, believes that capitalism is an inevitable and not even regrettable aspect of human nature or even animal nature or maybe even plants. I don't know, <laughs> you know, that somehow course of things that in 2017, with Google having the finances and the power that it currently has, 
that that somehow is a moral and correct culmination of humanity that was simply been mistaken all these other centuries and has finally found its most natural and true and correct expression in enormous corporate monopolies that spy on your every online move and force you to look at advertising. Nowhere in the model is there any accounting of whether a human being might also be creative for any purpose other than increasing Google's profit margin. There's no space for considering whether a human being might also have human nature tendencies that we might describe as cooperation or families or caretaking or love or helping or sympathy or, you know, these are all equally human characteristics, right? But these are natural too. I mean, you go as far back into the, you know, the beginning of 2001, the space odyssey is, you know, look at these, uh, you know, ape creatures or whatever and, and say like, yeah, there are various things that you can call human nature, and, and capitalism is not the only one. Capitalism is a, is a very specific and violent economic system that was invented in the 18th century or whatever it was, 17th, I think it was 18th century. You know, Adam Smith, it's a, it's a superstructure that had to be forced upon human beings. And and when we say violent, I don't mean a theoretically or kind of, I don't mean it in a poetic way. I mean it's physically violent or there's the threat of physical violence in order to force it to exist on people who don't want it. So, yeah, no, you too. <laughs> there you go. what you heard? Then subscribe to The Future of What on iTunes. And thanks for listening.
That was Believe ESP by Deerhoof.